0: One of my things that I took away from my upbringing is like just the mechanism of was just being a survivor because growing up, I, so many obstacles was thrown in my way and I could have folded. I could have went away to a different way, but I stayed focused on what I wanted and what I wanted was something better than South Central LA. Welcome to the
1: Inside Game with your host, Dr. Julie Amato.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Inside Game Podcast. This is Dr. Julie back with you for the first episode of 2021. Uh, We're going to start the New Year strong with a great conversation with L.A. Sparks forward and Cal Berkeley Go Bears grad Rashonda Gray. Rashonda's story is remarkable, and I think it's probably best to just listen to her tell it, frankly, in her own words. But I'll just say that in addition to being a phenomenal basketball player, Rashonda is just a kind generous human being. She has this very infectious, endearing personality. There's just absolutely zero pretense with Rashonda, or as she would say, it's all love. So let's dive right into this conversation with Rashonda Gray. Hey,
0: Rashonda, how are you? Hey, girl, I'm doing good. Um, I'm blessed. I really can't complain. Like I always say, things can always be worse.
2: (laughs) A hundred percent, especially right now. It's it's hard to imagine things could be worse with everything going on in the political climate in the world right now, but um, but that's a great mindset and approach right out of the box. She's coming with <laughs> wisdom. Not
0: yeah, I'm right at it, I'm right at it. I mean, that's, you know, the only way to go is being positive because if you be anything outside of positive, that's when like it re- stuff really about to get bad and start hitting the fans. Mm-hmm. So I just always just try to have like a, just a positive outlook on everything.
2: I know. And it's so genuine with you. I could see it.
0: Girl, you love me. What you, what you see is what you get. <laughs> I know.
2: I, um, it probably goes without saying that uh, I like you so much. You're such a likable human being and person. And um, maybe it makes sense to just touch on how the heck I know you to begin with, which is you know, I've known of you Rashonda, for a while. I've known of you before you've known of me just because I've worked with Cal women's basketball and Smythe The Go
0: Bears. That's you repping, that's right. That's right. We got right. to, to blink you out. You see me, I'm shining over here. You are shining. I have to bling you out, okay? Oh, I look so boring compared to you. I can't handle it. Don't, don't do that. Don't play yourself. Uh-uh, honey, don't do that. <laughs> I love it. So already
2: she's going to be the psychologist on me. Um, but I've known about you for a while just because, um, you know, Lindsay's a good friend and having coached you, You've, you're a legend in the Cal program. And so, even though I got there after you already left, your name and your image is graced everywhere in those basketball offices. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. a California girl, but um, LA, not Northern California, but, um, and you were uh, on the Final Four team, which is part of why you're legendary. Yeah. What was... was that like, Final Four?
0: Right. Wow. Um you know like i told you like i didn't even imagine myself going as far with with basketball and to be able to be blessed with the opportunity to get a full scholarship considering the circumstances that i grew up in um, one let alone was a blessing to get a full scholarship to a great university but two is making history everybody can't say that they went to a final four and they got a ring and that's something that i can definitely say that i was a part of so it's a it's a blessing, but it was a job well deserved because we worked really hard in the classrooms and on the court. And with that team that we had, it was it was the same. Like, I never seen anything like that. We were all so different, but together at the same time. Yeah. So just along with that team, it was amazing. And I wouldn't redo anything over. I would go on that same exact route with the same group of girls.
2: Okay. that's you're right not everyone can say they've been to a final four you know, obviously you've got the respect and admiration of cal fans uh everywhere um, i put in my work <laughs> oh my god 100 percent. It, it's funny because in, in preparing to have you on the podcast i actually spoke with uh Lindsay and did a little interview with her because i was like talk about rashonda like what are her strengths like what was it like to coach her and all this other stuff thank you
0: all my snacks no, she did not. Tell us about that. She'd be like, oh my God, Gray, you want any snacks? But it got to the point where she was hungry a couple of times and she asked me, did I have any snacks? <laughs> and I had some fruit snacks for her. <laughs> so like, that was like something else that like I was notorious for in college. It's like my teammates know, like to always come to my house or come to my locker or even look in my little pocket where like I keep all my snacks at.
2: oh my god
0: another thing i just think that part of me just growing up um, and just coming from a big family um, i was just always nurturing just making sure that everybody is taken care of
2: i get that i get that i mean you have that sort of sweet um that sweet side to you which is so easy to see so before i drop a clip of my interview with lindsay where she talks about you can you share a little bit about what it was like to play for her at cal
0: Gigi is something she always want to have a spot in my heart. And one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I say that is like she cared about me more as a person than just a basketball player. And it's been times where she showed me that she cared about me more than basketball. And that's something that I really valued about her. Um, yep. She's been the same since day one. Yep. never did anything outside of her being different. And like, that's one of the things I, I respect her because she welcomed me with open arms. And took me in for what it is and she understood that i was learning like i was a young adult in college and i was gonna think i was gonna make some of not the greatest decisions but it was just all about how i learned from that and i think that she did a really the whole coaching staff, actually just like the whole program at Cal did a really good job of just like preparing me for like the responsibility of becoming an adult, but not only that, the responsibility of becoming a professional too as well, just holding myself accountable and just being responsible. So yeah. they did a really good job and that's, I tell people to tell this day, like going to Cal was like one of my best decisions that I could have possibly ever make. Like I I had fun in college, like I enjoyed it to like the fullest um, met great people um outside of my teammates and Jeezy, mm-hmm. that's one of the great people who's definitely gonna Yeah. Look
2: no, she I've her <laughs> since we were 18 years old, Rashonda, and she has not changed her fashion sense has improved. Oh
0: yeah, um, she has some what it is, mononos, bononos. I don't know what she called those expensive <laughs> cat kitten heels that she had. But I was like, okay, Jeezy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Her fashion sense is improved because she's in the spotlight, but she is a solid person through and through and consistent, like you said, and 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 that's why she's so successful. She actually does care. She actually does care about the players, and and so she gets that respect and buy-in. Um, but you know, I I sent you a little clip of her her descriptions of you, um, you know, and she's um, she's pointed <laughs> out some it's of your
0: very theory, serious because Jeezy. You know, she, that's one thing about her. She will make you teary-eyed or she will get teary-eyed herself. So let's, let's hope there's no waterworks doing this.
2: All right. No waterworks. Should I, should I
1: fire it up?
0: Yep. Fire it up. Let's go.
1: I mean, it takes five minutes with Rashonda in a room to know that she is just the light of this earth. I mean, that, that's really what, what she is. And I don't know how much you know about her background. She had a really, really tough you know, upbringing, and saw a lot, and went through a lot, and the way she presents, like, the, what she gives off is all positivity, and all, I mean, she would literally give you the shirt off of her back, um, whether or not she had another one sitting right there, right, and uh, and that's what she was like every single day, uh, and and I and I don't exaggerate when I say that. Um, the first thing I'll say is, so so she didn't start playing basketball till late, you know, relative, I think, you know, she was in eighth grade or something and she'll tell you the story about how, you know, she got pushed off the side cause she couldn't make a layup and, you know, and then she had this kind of meteoric rise where she's just like a rugged, strong, powerful athlete. Um, and she comes in, into Cal and just, I would say like her ability to like run through a wall on every single practice and every play, like she knew how to, between those lines, like just get after it. Um, we went to the final four in her sophomore year. And there's a lot of things that go into a final four team, right? Like it, just in terms of the personalities of it, we would not have been as successful as we were if it wasn't for, you know, the last player on the bench, you know, Abigail Cohen and her buy-in, but also I brought Rashonda off the bench when I think her freshman year, she, she might've led the team in scoring. It was like her and Leja. And then, you know, sophomore year, you, you know, we had basically three WNBA type talents, Jen Brandon, Talia Caldwell and Rashonda. And I, chose to bring Rashonda off the bench. And you know how college sports are now. She could have torpedoed the season, torpedoed the team. She could have left, She could, have, but she just bought into her role and what she brings to the team and the court and was an absolute joy, joy to coach. I, I would just say her, her resilience as a human being, her resilience as a player, she's gonna go through you. She's gonna go through the problem. She's gonna attack a wall in that way. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, And it was really incredible to see. She ended up, she was a Pac-12 player of the year. I mean, the kid had like 28 and a half against Washington State. She just, great hands, great feet, but more so like never let herself get too down for very long. Like literally could just kind of refocus and plow through the next issue.
0: Oh, my God, Jeezy, I love you so much. That's like the sweetest thing you can like, oh, Jeezy, I knew I loved you for a reason, but you know, all I can definitely say is just like thank you Jesus like I really appreciate everything you've done for me on and off yeah. the court but not only that just still allowing that open gateway of communication to still be open and I can honestly say like a lot of players who graduated from college don't want anything to do with their school. Mm. Or like people at their school and I'm blessed and fortunate enough that I still want to be a part of my school and I still keep in contact with all my coaches so just. Thank you guys for just grooming me and just shaping me into the woman I am today. I oh, appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> You're an
2: awesome person, Rashonda. And we know that. And you know, the one thing I thought could be kind of interesting to touch on with you because cause as Jeezy talks about the resilience piece and and as you talked about, you didn't you never expected to be where you are today. Yeah. Would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit of your story of like your life and like what it was like to be you?
0: You know, I don't want to give too much details because, you know, when I come out with my book, I don't want to give all my secrets. Oh, I'm just speaking it, speaking it to existence. Spoiler. I I don't have anything set yet, but I just feel Mm -hmm. like I just have a really good like story and... I feel like what I have or my story that I have, I feel like it may not work for everybody, but it may work for maybe one person or some person can take something that I learned or a situation that I adapted to and just apply it to their life. And I always say like, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, but my intentions are pure. And like, the, I just always try to pay it, pay it forward, just give back and just be a good person. Mm-hmm. That is like my whole put God first, be a mm-hmm. good person and just give back. Mm -hmm. So that's like my whole philosophy. And I just feel like growing up, a lot of people don't know like the ins and outs of Rashauna Gray and what I actually experienced. They only know what I told them and what they saw. Mm -hmm. So when I open up about certain things that they sometimes don't believe me or like some kids sometimes, like let's say if I go back and i talk to some young girls, I'm talking to them as a professional now. So sometimes they'd be like, oh, she a professional, she can't relate to me. Sometimes I gotta take it back and be like, "Yo, like, what's up? I'm from where you from too. Yeah. Like, it's in me. Just because it's not showing you right now and I'm smiling doesn't mean it's not. It's not there. Yeah. So, you gonna take the time out and allow me to help you, or yeah. right, if not, then don't mess up opportunity for somebody else. Yeah. So, like, just like a little bit about my background. Um, come from a big family. I have three brothers and three sisters, including my mom and dad, it's nine of us, including myself, all of us and nine of us. And I'm that one person. That one person out of nine people to become successful. Yo, I am that 1% to try and put my family on the back, on my back and try and be that change in my community. And where I'm from, not a lot of people make it out. Yeah, I mean, you make it out all right, but you're either gonna make it out in jail, you're gonna make it out in a coffin. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a lot of people out in my community that's doing a great thing. And I just feel like my upbringing wasn't wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't the greatest, but I just feel like that's what makes me so much perfect. That's what, not perfect, but that's what makes me so much special mm-hmm. because my upbringing kind of taught me and shaped me into being like a survivor.
2: 100%.
0: Of like just figuring things out. And I think that's why I'm so able to adjust to being in a one-bedroom with three brothers and three sisters, like sharing stuff, um, having to sell candy to help my mom pay bills and stuff. of just like finding, I'm always finding ways because of my upbringing. It taught me to always find a way, to find a way. And I know this may sound crazy right now. And like, just thinking back about it, just thinking back about it, one of my things that I took away from my upbringing is like just the mechanism of it was just being a survivor. Because growing mm-hmm. up, I uh, so many obstacles were thrown in my way, and I could have folded. I could have went away to a different way, but I stayed focused on what I wanted. And what I wanted was something better than South Central LA of what I saw, besides the gang making, the drugs, the prostitution, like the fighting, the getting in trouble, the drinking, like all that. And I wanted something different. And I had a taste of something different when I joined this after school program. And when I joined that after school program, that changed my life because one, it provided me a mentor that I wish I always had, but I never Mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. And once I had him, I was able to build a 16 year relationship with him to this day. And I consider him like a godfather. And that program not only blessed me with like a great mentor, it helped me pick up a basketball. It helped Mm -hmm. me to do my hair. Like to this day, I still know how to do my hair. I mean, I learned how to, I perfected my craft over the years. But based off that class, I was able to learn the basics of how to do hair and want to get involved in learning how to do hair because of that program. So not only did I find my mentor, I learned how to do my hair, take care of myself. Um, Basketball, which was my gateway. Like basketball was my way out because my parents couldn't afford to pay for me to go to college. Like we didn't have money like that. So yes. basketball was like my outlet that changed my life. That took me, that opened gates for me that I never thought I would open. Took mm-hmm. me to countries that I never thought I would ever oh, go yes. to. And like I had this one teddy bear. People were like, oh, you carry that teddy bear everywhere. Yeah, I carry that teddy bear everywhere because this teddy bear <laughs> probably been to more places that people would will never go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In and out of the country. So right. was like, yeah, you make a joke about my teddy bear, but I'm saying some real stuff
2: hundred percent.
0: My mindset of not settling and just continue to be a survivor and find a way I found my way of, of life or navigating my way through life with the resources, and opportunities that was given to me.
2: You, you started the conversation with being positive and positivity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you described in South Central LA was like this narrative or this story that, Hey, you're going to leave in a body bag or, you know, in prison or, or, or whatever. Um, and so like for you at a young age, did you just start to create a different vision or story in your mind? I mean, it, did it start that young with the positivity or were you sort of convinced like, well, this is kind of how everybody ends up and you know, that's probably so gonna be was, my path.
0: I'm, I'm okay with saying that I was about to become a product of my community. Like I was right. on my way to becoming a product of my community mm-hmm. if I didn't want this after school program. And okay. the reason why I was because I didn't, I felt like I didn't have the support I needed. And I didn't have nobody to sit there. Like, I had my mom and dad, but, like, my mom did alcohol. My dad did drugs. Like, Mm
2: -hmm. so we
0: had a lot of time with the system, in and out of the system, foster care. Like, we had to stay with my grandma. Like, did my grandma really want to keep us? Or was it, like, uh, there's a reason why she wanted to keep us? You Mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? Like, is it really really for that? But, like, we we, we may never know. but, But, like, all I know is that she took us in and she didn't have to and she still did it. Mm -hmm. So, like, I just feel like, um, yeah, I just feel like I was becoming a product of my my community. Like, I was getting accustomed to it. Like, I was getting in trouble. Like, I was drinking. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with admitting that, yeah, like, I was drinking. Like, yeah, I used to smoke and I used to fight. I used to game bang. Like, I'm okay with saying that because I can't say that I'm trying to become a better woman Or I'm trying to take this spiritual faith if God didn't put me in positions that I had to experience myself. And I just feel like Him, Him, like, and that's why I think it's like all crazy because like I'm like real spiritual now and just thinking back on it, I saw that He had a plan laid out for Mm -hmm. me, if that makes sense. But I wasn't connected and I didn't have Him first, so I really wouldn't have never understood it. Mm -hmm. But just looking back, I was heading down the wrong path. I really yeah. was, I was heading down the wrong path, like I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. I was hanging with people because I thought it was cool. Like I was getting bad grades because I thought, oh, you get bad grades and you're cool, you pop and you're popular. And no, that wasn't it. So then when I decided to join this after school program, when they was recruiting kids, I told him, I told my dad that several times, like, no, I don't want to join your after school program. Mind you that he's not the same ethnicity as me. So he's like a white Caucasian dude with blue eyes. And where I'm from, I'm from the hood. So where I'm from, you either the police or you're not supposed to be here. So I have no responsibility. Like I have no place talking to you. Like I have no response, like I have no reason to talk to you. So I finally like just joined that program. And I just feel like that was like the real turning point for me because when I first joined the program, I wasn't wasn't getting in trouble. I was getting sent to his office like every day. I was coming late to count down. Like I was hanging out with my friends. I used to go to the corner store. He wasn't even supposed to go to the corner store. Right. I would go to the store, give me a, a Hot Cheetos in Arizona. You were
2: corrupting <laughs> the program, Rashonda? Is that what you're yeah, saying?
0: Yeah, leaving program, I did not care. <laughs> I did not care. I wanted to hang out with my friends and that's just what I wanted to do. Right. Right. And I, I I kept getting sent to his office and stuff like that. And he'd be like, great. Like, what's up? Again? Like, again? Like, come on. And then it was like one time I did something really bad and I got sent to him and he got upset and he's like a white guy. So when he got upset, he turned red. And like, I just started laughing, like rolling. And I just made him even more mad. And then that was like the time where like he sat me down. He was just like, what's up? Why are you acting like this? Yeah. This is not true. Why are you hanging around with them girls? Them girls do not have your best interests at heart. Like why?
2: Yeah.
0: Like why? Like why are you hanging around with them? And he was just like telling me all these reasons Of like why I shouldn't be with them and just how I'm a great kid and I just need to make better decisions and stuff like that. And I have my mom, but like of course with my mom, like she's supposed to do that. But then again, like I told you, I didn't have like the greatest relationship with my mom then growing up. So outside of my mom, like this was the next person that showed me like belief that had faith Mm -hmm. in me, that believed in me, that saw something in me that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was getting attention in a bad way, but like, I thought maybe if I do something good, mm. I will get the attention that I needed and I will get praised for doing something good instead of getting yelled at and getting attention that way.
2: Yeah. And so, then like basketball, right? I mean
0: like- Yeah, like basketball. Like, okay, well, if you want to play basketball, you got to get good grades. So it challenged me. Okay. So, and that's why I said, like, I feel like looking back on it, and like just on his whole spiritual journey, like I look back on it and I just be like, oh, like he really did have a plan for me. He had a purpose for me. And I, I'm a strong believer everything happens for a reason. I have mm-hmm. that tattoo. And I just feel like meeting my goddad now. 16 years ago happened for a reason because Mm -hmm. if I never met him or joined this after school program I wouldn't be who I am today like I wouldn't want to I wouldn't have never met like Kobe Bryant or something like that like I would have never want to give back to to, like the next girl who grew up in the same position for me like I wouldn't be so passionate in what I do if I didn't come across this after school program or the people who was a part of this program
2: it's powerful to think about that's crazy
0: I had that mindset of a survivor like i saw Mm -hmm. something good i wanted more of it Mm -hmm. so i was going to try and and figure out how can i get there
2: wow you don't you don't work backward for many professional basketball players and say like they oh i first picked up a ball when i was like 13 i mean usually it's like oh i've loved playing forever and
0: girl (laughs) i didn't even want to play basketball i didn't even start playing basketball till like so every year at this um after school program i was a part of we have something called march madness and basically it's just like our site our school and our site versus other other schools that are under the same program so we have like a basketball competition and my friends were playing and of course i'm tall and my friend they were like oh your friends are playing my god dad it was like oh your friends are playing you should play with your friends and hang out with them and I'm like, no, I don't want to play basketball. I want to be a model. Like, I want to be a veterinarian, like I'm too cute, you get sweaty and stuff like that. Like, I don't have time. So I ended up like deciding to go and play because my friends were playing. So I was like taller than everybody. So I basically was like patting my stats before I even knew what padding my stats was. Right.
2: So like.
0: I like was doing it for my friends because I was like hanging out with my friends and like yeah I play basketball like people are like oh Utah you play basketball yeah I play basketball like that's a good thing you know and study be like oh you're from LA like, you game bang yeah mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying like I I'd rather be like oh Utah you play basketball and say oh you're from LA you game bang you get what I'm saying so mm-hmm. I'd rather like that comparison than like the norm comparison mm-hmm. of where I was from maybe when I was like 13. 13, transitioning from eighth grade to ninth grade, that's when I really decided to take basketball serious. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: um, that's when I dedicated like a lot of my time to basketball because I found out that I can get my school paid for Right. So that's why like I really decided to take it serious. And during me taking it serious, Jeezy talked about me going on the other end. And that was like another key turning point for me when Mm -hmm. I was by myself. Practicing layups and like everybody else was like having fun. Mind you, I'm like 13. Like, I want to be with my friends and I'm looking at my friends laughing and smiling and stuff. And I want to be down there with them, but I can't because I'm not as skilled as them. So I have to be put on the end by myself to work on something. And I look back at it and I'm like, I kind of thank that coach for that because that changed, like, yeah, I have the survivor mentality of figuring it out, but that changed my mentality to I'm gonna make people respect me.
2: I like that. I like that.
0: When I say I'm gonna make people respect me, I started playing. One of my freshman year, I played JV in high school, and like the co- my coach. Come took on. My close, I, it was okay. It's like a Michael crazy.
2: Jordan story. Like you didn't make the varsity team.
0: Man, I was okay with that. So I played JV. I was getting buckets. I was having like crazy numbers, like <laughs> 20 and 20, like, 20, <laughs> 20 like, like crazy numbers. I was having crazy numbers. And then, um, you know, we ended up making it to playoffs. And we was the number 16 seed, the last spot in the playoffs. And we ended up winning the whole thing. We won that and that summer after we won the championship, I dedicated my whole time from my freshman year to like at least my summer of my senior year to mm-hmm. put in the time work in basketball, ba- eat, sleep, breathe basketball, eat, sleep, wow. basketball. Like I'm pretty sure my coach is probably tired of me because I was always trying to watch like film. I was always trying to work on something. So I dedicated a lot, like I sacrificed a lot of like a key point in my life of becoming a woman like becoming a woman and just like becoming a normal teenager and just doing things, doing Mm -hmm. high school events, like going to parties, going, you know, just like stuff like that. I sacrificed a lot of my social life for basketball. Yeah. And I understood that, yeah, and this is what I told myself, like what I'm sacrificing now, it's going to always be there. Like Mm -hmm. my friends, I want to hang out with that party I want to go to. It's always going to be there. And that was the the survivor mentality. It's like, you gonna try and miss up a a miss an opportunity because you want to hang out with your friends or you want to try and capitalize on this opportunity to get you in a better position. That way you can bring your friends along if you want to bring your friends along. So I spent most of my time in the gym and stuff and within those three years and I spent I became like league MVPs, City Honors, like USA, gold medal. I got a freaking gold medal. Like I'm from Washington Prep, like Washington Prep High School, like it sounds good, but it's a public school in the middle of the hood, so like I got a gold medal like we got a division one school like school like Jeff Waltz, we got Michael Cooper coming on campuses and stuff like that. Wow. So like things that people like never seen like I think I was either like the second or the first make down on All American like 20 years like some crazy or like to give a full ride. So I was just like bringing all this attention to Washington. I was putting Washington on the map too, as well. Yep. And you know, once again, I just feel like that was like another thing for me that was like a giving back. Like, and not only it's bigger than you, it's bigger mm-hmm. than you. Like, maybe the, all these college coaches are coming for you, but maybe one of your teammates can slip up and get a, a scholarship because I can't go to all schools, right? So. <laughs> Yeah. So My first level was signing. So I got to the point where I signed. I had a whole signing party, this big old signing party. We had to abandon everything. It was That's like, awesome. it was just like amazing. And then just to do it in my hometown. Like I grew up from L.A. Like I grew up in L.A. and to still be from go to school from California, then come back and play for the Sparks. So it was like a, a big thing for me. Like, I just feel like everything happens for a reason. And I just feel like my path is like special, but like unique and different and crazy. I like, I just always just try to tell people like, I'm not perfect. I still find myself in that gray area, Mm. but I'm learning. Like I'm learning and my teachers do try and be right. And the best thing I can do is bless others with the blessings that I was given.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: And I just feel like I, I can't go wrong with just trying to help somebody out. And I just feel like that's my purpose is to help somebody out or just help, any, not anybody, but far as women, help girls out because that's yeah. that's what my frame is because I just felt like that was something that I needed growing up. I needed like a mentor, a woman mentor, a strong woman mentor figure, but not even a strong, just like oh. a woman that showed me I am human, I am going to make mistakes, but like, let's get over it. Let's figure it out.
2: Yeah. But I'm amazed the 180 that you did in the absence of having that strong woman mentor at the time, like where you just were like, yeah, like, do I really want to go to this party? Or do I want to just put my time into basketball to have that kind of wisdom and commitment at your age? And then on top of that, yeah, you said, Jeff Waltz, all these people are showing up in the gym. And a lot of kids now see that as pressure, and they get really nervous. And it's like, oh, gosh, now, now I'm the person nobody's ever done this before. And it sounded like for you, you you just kind of converted that into like excitement, like, oh wow, like now's an opportunity to bring put respect on my school's name and maybe one of my friends will get a scholarship. Like you just have this way of just, you know, reframing it.
0: Yeah. So with that, um, I would definitely have to say, like, um, when I was younger, I didn't have a a, a woman, a woman mentor that I looked up to. But I will say once I could have created that relationship with my godfather and we got really close enough. Um, I think maybe it was like, maybe my sophomore, my sophomore junior year in high school, I ended up moving out of my mom's house and I moved in with my godfather and his wife and my little god sister and my little godbrother. Okay. And you know, um, that alone is a whole different story because <laughs> of like just our racial backgrounds. Like it was just a lot, we used to make fun of ourselves and we used to call it, like our house the house, house school, high school musical. <laughs> oh my god you know how like, all the personalities like all the kids right. just like always have a good time but I would definitely have to say like once I moved in with like my godfather and stuff I, I I'll have to give a lot of credit to my grandma. like mm. she a boss yeah. and she won't play that shit at all and <laughs> I tell her like yeah you you a boss you a boss yeah you a boss and I respect you because at the time I may have thought you was just being hard on me and I just may have thought you've been a but I think today it was all love, like it was all love, and I see why you was hard on me because she hit me to ACTs, oh, SAT prep, school, just school. Period. She was on my head. All I asked for you was just good, good grades. That's mm-hmm. it. All I asked for you just get the grades, get get good grades, and of course do what you're supposed to do in basketball. That's all I asked. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that, sh- that they were able to just give me this safe haven where I can just be able to actually be normal, like a normal kid and not have to worry about where my next meal is going to be or how I'm going to get clothes or like stuff like that, because they blessed me and I was blessed with that opportunity. I was able to just be a kid and just be like a teenager and just like get some of that life that I lost back, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I just have to give a lot of credit to my godmom because like, She was only about academics, and that's why I push to my girls why academics is so important. Mm -hmm. And a plan B, like, yes, my A is basketball. For instance, like, right now, I'm not currently playing because of, like, some health issues. So what's my plan B? And my plan B is my degree. And if I didn't have my degree or my education wasn't pushed as important, then I would be stuck in no man's land. I just think that, like, just my upbringing um, just taught me how it humbled me, first and foremost. Mm.
2: Um,
0: One, I just think I'm always just a humble person just because I I never, I I know what it was like to have nothing. Yeah. So I know what what it's like to have nothing, and now I know what it is to have everything. And I know how easy it is for that to be taken away from you. Like, just like that, as quick as you can get it, as quick as that shit can be. so like I know how it is so like I just always just try to be humble Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and I just always just try to like I said I I put it on my refrigerator I wrote it on my little dry erase board treat people the way that you want to be treated absolutely and and that's and that's my motto like I just always just try to give out sometimes I feel like maybe I give out a little bit too much love than what people show me that they deserve but it's it's genuine, because that's me. Regardless, I'm always going to give out the same love. Even if you don't give me the same love back, I'm still going to give you love. But I just know that I can only mess with you to a certain extent.
2: Yep. Now and I get that from you. I think and it's no, funny too, Rashana, because like your personal philosophy is so tight. I don't know if you've ever called it a philosophy, but it's like, it's so tight. And you know, you operate directly from it. It's like treat people well, you know, be a good person. You've got it, kind of like this formula that works for you, and I don't know. You mentioned a couple of sentences ago about how you teach your girls. Now we know um, you've got girls. What girls are you talking about? That hey, I so, know who right, you're
0: talking about. I don't try to think. I got like a whole escort service <laughs> and stuff going on. <laughs> but when I say my girls, mm-hmm. so I I am the founder of NGA. Yeah. Which is No Gray Areas, which is my nonprofit that I founded to basically give women a platform. When you're in that gray area, that means that you're undecided about something, mm-hmm. whether I should do it or I shouldn't. So when you're like, yeah, I should do it, no, I should do it, you're 50 50. So you're in that gray area.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So my job is to help you try and figure it out to get you out of that gray area with the resources and the outlets that i have Mm. and this is like a women platform driven base i work with young girls when i refer to my girls i'm referring to like a close group of girls who i built relationships with over the course of my career that i've been working with with hands-on um over like this past year, I've been working really close with them weekly monthly of just like helping them stay focused and helping them try and reach goals short term goals and long term goals that they set that we talked about that they set for themselves. Um, I also been keeping track with them academically athletically and socially, because I feel like all three of them intertwine with each other and they feed off of each other, if you don't have the grades, you can't play basketball. If you don't know how to communicate to your teammates and your coaches and your professors, how you gonna to expect to be successful in your career and your profession? So I have a women's initiative that I've been working on and I basically and this women's initiative came from when I got waived, I got, so I was out the league for two years. I was out the league for two years. I tried to bust my butt to get back into the league. I got back into the league in New York. I felt like I showed why I deserved to be in the league. And then, you know, things didn't work out for me. And like I said, I feel like everything happens for a reason. So I got cut. And when I got cut, I kind of fell into like a dark spot because I felt like trying to get back on a WNBA team and get back into it after I just got cut. And then I've been out for two years and then I worked my way back to show why I should still be there and I get cut again it's a little defeating. I felt defeated by that. And I'm not going to even lie. Like, yeah, I'm used to 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 getting hit and knock it down. And yeah, I got cut from a couple of teams, but I really worked really hard for this, this last one. And I felt short and that hurted me. So I got a little defeated and I lost confidence. And this is why I tell my girls, my young girls or people in general that I talk to, it's important who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I just felt like the pressure of just trying to make um, a WNBA team was just giving me really bad ex- anxiety. Like mm-hmm. if I didn't make the WNBA team, what I'm going to do, like how am i am going to get some money, how am I going to get some income? So I literally didn't do anything for like a week. My guy DeVille was like, okay, you done? Like, are you done? You done? What you going to do?
2: Yeah. Wallowing in your sorrows.
0: <laughs> what you going to do? I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you won't know what you're going to do until you actually figure it out and this is where like um remember i told you about um so i also have another business called gregory salon to right. like yeah girl i'm a woman of many hats you're so, boss like, a boss lady what are you talking about so like that's a whole different like a whole different conversation so that's when i got focused more into my hair at gregory salon like i started working learning more about my craft or how i can perfect my craft but not only that, um, I got into the bedazzling thing, which took the bubble by a storm, Right, bedazzling. And mm. not only that, um, I decided to take my attention and study, putting it into where I'm going to be, how I'm going to make money. And I took all that energy and I put it, my focus into no great areas. When I took my mind off of basketball and just put it into something else that was positive and that was going for me, um, I started to see, to see good things. And mm it was a point where like I was saying good things and I removed myself from basketball. And, still the, the weight of like waiting on a phone call or trying to get like a last minute roster spot was just like still eating at me while I'm trying to keep myself busy, but Mm -hmm. it didn't eat at me as much because I was being busy. I was keeping myself busy. So although I was still having like my doubts in the back of my head, I, it was like, I got to the point where like, I got to the phone, like I was like this close to, to telling my agent, like, I think I'm gonna just sit this WNBA season out. Like this, like, it's a lot. Like, I feel like this is a lot of anxiety of like whether I'm gonna make a team or not. Yeah. So I was like this close to telling my agent this. And so I was like, okay, I gave it a second. And when I gave it a second, and I didn't say anything, I left it alone, I got the call from the Sparks. Of
2: course, yeah, as soon as you decide, yeah, whatever yeah. Happens, so, happens. And I
0: was just like, whoa, God, you took a situation that defeated me, mm-hmm. and you turned into a positive situation where it couldn't get any better than this. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I would love to play in LA, but still, just the fact that I got the chance to put on an LA jersey, being from LA, like, yeah, yo, I'm from LA, I made it, I came back, I'm playing for LA. Like the only thing I was missing was a championship. You know what I'm saying? And that's like, that's where my women's initiative came from, honestly, of just like me getting cut and me like thinking about my friends and still like trying to help my friends out because I know how it felt.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, hundred percent. I, I appreciate how real you are. You're like, man, that was awful. Like I struggled. I hit a low point. You know, yeah. I even contemplated like you know, just retiring from basketball or just sitting it out. And you know, I think those are normal, like human emotions to have. But what I appreciate about you is, and this is what Coach Jeezy was talking about, is like, the only way you know how to do it is kind of plow through it. And so like, you're going to take a little time to sulk, like any human being would do, but then you're going to pour your energy into positive things. And as you said, you know, you're all about finding a way and surviving. And I think it's really cool that the moment you sort of let go of the need to have a roster spot, then it, it kind of like appeared because you were you were busy kind of occupying your time other ways and finding a way. And then the way it opened up for you. And I hope you don't mind as a, a third-party observer here. I'll come full circle with how we met in person was when you were with the New York Liberty, you know, after hearing about you for so many years, and then I consulted with the Liberty uh, for a while and I got to meet you in person. And I just want to say watching you practice and watching you play in those games, you averaged five points per game and five rebounds per game, you know, with limited minutes. You played in all 34 games. You were a force. Mind you,
0: this is- Yeah. Mind you, I I sat out, like, I didn't make a team for two years. Uh, You didn't make a team. That's what I'm saying. Like, so look, let's just, let's take stock here, (laughs)
2: Rashonda. You're the first person in your large family to graduate from college. You know, even before that, you're a McDonald's All-American. You're the Pac-12 player of the year. You played in the Final Four. You get drafted to the WNBA and then end up having two years where you didn't make a roster. So you play overseas. You earn a spot back with the Liberty. You prove back. that you belong.
0: After, but I forgot to tell you, like, so okay, after bring I got out of a two-year process, yeah, I came back and I came to New York once for the first time. And when I say I was in the best shape of my life, I was in the best shape of my life. I was running the floor, girl, I was shooting threes. I looked like a whole new person to the point where like Tina Charles was like, okay. Like I was going at Tina Charles. I was talking shit to her. Like I love Tina Charles. Like I tell her all the time, like I tell her all the time. Every time I see her, at one point in time, I probably thought that she probably thought I was crazy because every time I saw her, I told her I love her. (laughs) What was her facial expression when you would say that, Greg? Because I'm trying to picture that. So I will never forget this. My rookie year was my birthday. We was in Minnesota. I was on Minnesota. I got drafted to Minnesota. Um, It was, what, May 31st. My birthday was June 1st. We played the next day. So I saw her like after shoot around, like after Reliba was coming on the court. And she was like, yo, aren't you Rashonda? I was like, yes. She was like, is it your birthday tomorrow? I was like, yes. And she was like, happy birthday. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so Brittany Boyd, of course, is like one of my best friends. So I'm pretty sure like she told like Brittany told her. So like I just feel like, you know, I was still like a little starstruck and just like ever since then, like I always tell her like, she'd be like, You crazy, yo, like Joey yo, Bob. Like Yo, you wild, but like it's all love. Like Tina, yeah. know like I'm a genuine person. Like I'm me. Like still, yeah. she text messages like here and there, mm-hmm. and like I like consider Tina. Like I see how hard she. I see how hard she work. Like mm-hmm. I see how hard she rep her city. Like how hard she willing to go for her people, and I admire that. And she don't take. she don't play no shit. Like no, she don't. No she so come correct. No, <laughs> so like the fact that like you know she knew who i was before like my first league i just felt like that was kind of one of one of my welcoming into the league outside yeah. of um, me making a nice move on dt and she was like nice move and she smacked me on the butt like ooh. yeah so there you go it yeah so i went to new york the first year best shape of my life yeah. looking like a whole new person everything and i got waved I know I got waved so even when I had the opportunity to come back the next year I'm like man I just bust my butt and just showed you everything and yeah. just showed you everything you guys waved me so of course like just as a human I was in my feelings but like I knew that like at the end of the day it's a business so I'm like okay well, look back at, at your first trial and see what you did wrong I mean not what you did wrong or what you can be better at and just see if you can do something um that they asked it for so the next year I went in I I mean, it's sad to say, but like, I had a, I don't give up attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes you gotta have that. Um, Sometimes you gotta have that, because if you don't have that, you will get hurt at the end of the day. And like, like Gigi said, like I'm a person to run through a freaking wall. Yeah. Like if I'm a person to run through a freaking wall, and You, what's wrong with you? You don't want me? What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, Because like nowadays I feel like you gotta make people run through a wall. And this is something mm-hmm. that comes naturally. Yep. So like I was just like kind of defeated on many things, but like I understood like it's a business. So what can I do to be better? So mm-hmm. next year I came in with the mindset. I'm not taking no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm going to go out here. And so when I leave, I could be able to stay at the end of the day. I was the best Rashana Gray and I just wasn't here for them. So mm-hmm. when I had, got the chance to um, like when they said like a meeting, like we have film and they looked around these are the, the 12 people we rock with this season. I was just like, I started crying.
2: Because, oh my God. Like,
0: it was just yeah. like, it was a lot. Like I, I just worked really hard. Yep. I just worked really hard. And I finally like saw my reward, like pay off. And then I was like in a, what the top, top three in like officer rebounding, defensive rebounding I know. like per minute. Like I was averaging like the most rebounds per minute. Like I was leading the league in that percentage. Oh, I didn't know that. Cra- oh, wow. Yeah. So like, and the crazy part about it is like, I still feel like, even though I had an opportunity, I still feel like I haven't had that opportunity yet, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. hmm To show Underrated
2: like, a little bit, Rashana. Yeah, but-
0: I feel like I'm still like, w- like I still got more in me. Like I know I still got more in me like, and I still mm-hmm. haven't even hit that cap yet. Mm-hmm. You hear what I'm saying? Like I still have a whole nother couple of levels that I still can unlock that I haven't even unleashed yet.
2: I like that. Well, it's funny because obviously, you know, again, having been at your practices and and watching your games and stuff. And I saw an article where Katie Smith said, you know, that you can guard anyone in the gym and that you do all the dirty work and could care less. And, you know, I observed that firsthand with you and I think that earned you a lot of respect with your teammates and around the league. And then, so you got that piece where it's like, yeah, I'm going to run through a wall. Me, I'm a let beast. Me, let me
0: clear something up because like nowadays, like dirty, dirty work will like get it taken, blown all the way out of context. Why? <laughs> because I want people to understand, like it's a difference between dirty work and then it's a difference between just being competitive. And I'm a competitor.
2: percent
0: if I'm going up against you, yeah, I'm going to take your head off because I want to win. Yeah. Like, you don't want to take somebody's head off if you want to win. But like I found I found this it's times where like I sometimes have to like go back to people and be like, yo, like what happened on the court? Like it ain't no love, like ain't no love lost. Like our relationship off the court ain't got nothing to do on the court. On mm-hmm. the court, I'm just a competitive person. So I want to win. So if I have to maybe body check you to get to the ball first, that's what I'm gonna have to do because I'm a competitive person. Mm-hmm. And like I respect people so much more when they understand like that's how I, I am and I operate. But I play blacktop ball. We don't call no fouls. Right. (laughs) We don't call no fouls. Why do you think I run through brick walls so easily? Because I'm like accustomed to, I'm used to, I'm a survivor. Like I know I'm going to take kids. It's all about what you're going to do after you bounce back. A
2: hundred percent. And that's what I appreciate about you. I mean, as a sports psychologist, I try to teach kids about having that, like, basketball personality so off the court you're like this big sweetie who's saying i love you to tina charles and doing everybody's hair and bedazzling their (laughs) stuff in the bubble and on the court it's like i would not at all want to be messing with you in any way
0: (laughs) so that's like something that like i still battle with too is like my emotions like understanding like i at the end of the day i don't always have to be hard and aggressive i am a female too i
2: know i know well, you played in the bubble this past year. And so New York's loss was was LA's gain. It was nice to see you in that uniform and back there. And um, you did make some noise in the bubble with your bedazzling. I think like Holly Rowe had some of your stuff. Yeah, Holly
0: Rowe. Um, I had Gregory <laughs> Salon going up too. Like I had a bunch of the girls, shout out to you all ladies, like for still just appreciating me and supporting the cause. Um, yeah. Like we had whole beauticians on site and stuff like that. and. A lot of girls still came to me and asked me to do their hair because they were down with the cause. The and yeah. one thing about me is like, I don't ask for any money in return. Like I, everything I do, I do for God. And mm-hmm. I feel like my foundation in A Salon is for me to help other people. So basically what I was doing was like, okay, if you want your hair done, I'm not going to be like, oh, you have to pay me this. But like, if you want to Help me! Or my calls are offered to pay. I just tell people go to my go to my website, and click the link in my bio and donate. Because when you donate that money, you're basically sponsoring a next woman or a young girl either get shoes that they can't afford, help them come up with like a plane a bus pass money to get like a bus pass to get them to get to a point A and point B, or provide like extra hair products and and here for a young girl to get her hair done for like her prom or her class pictures that she can't afford. Mm-hmm. Like, go to a women's shelter and be able to drop off like 20 dozen roses for like each lady and give like a box of chocolate and a rose to them. Just that one act of kindness can change a whole person from sending them mm-hmm. off from suicide or doing something crazy or something that they regret.
2: Yeah, I love that. So,
0: instead of it going back to me, no, put it back into my program. Because I want to build like a sisterhood. Like, I want to build something that's going to be there that I want to give girls, like girls and women, a safe haven. Absolutely. And that's what I'm trying to do with what I got going on with no gray areas and stuff.
2: You are a beautiful person inside and out. You know this. And, um, you know, you know how I, f- I feel about you in that way. I think your story is inspirational, remarkable. I love the way that you're using your life and your experiences to just inspire and help everybody around you. And, um, you know, it's just, I'm blessed to know you and to have this tiny piece, you know, of of being in your life this way. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for you. Um, Anything else you want to say to message any other young people? I feel like you've had so many good
0: um, pieces of advice. Y'all follow me on Follow me on all social media platforms at yes. No Gray Areas. That's N-O-G-R-A-Y-A-R-E-A-S yes. 21. Um, or you guys can follow No Gray Area, my actual nonprofit page. And it's mm-hmm. called NGA Cares. That's N-G-A dot Cares, C-A-R-E-S. Mm-hmm. So NGA Cares, that's where I post like a lot of my stuff for my foundation, um, mm-hmm. events that I got coming up, or just like even young girls or women that we wanna shed light onto it. And if you, if you guys like need help or know a female or a young girl who need help and assistance, like feel free to reach out to me. Um, one thing I, I do do is like you reach out to me, I may not get to you back right away, but eventually I'm gonna I'm connect with you. And for my foundation, the main thing that I always just try to push is, I want people to know that I'm here, that I'm doing it, that nobody else isn't doing it. Like I'm the face of it, but I'm also here in person doing it and talking to you and communicating with you. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm trying to push. And yeah. if you guys ever want to help, make a donation, yeah. know some people who will be like great sponsorships or can be of use or how I can help you grow with your and your, your organizations. Like feel free to reach out to me. You guys can check out my website at no gray
2: you're a real one, Rashonda. She she I'm definitely happy. means what she says. I, <laughs> I could back that. She, she practices what she preaches and she will respond. So thank you so much for your time today. And this has been no problem. an awesome conversation. No problem. Thank you
0: for having me, Julie. Okay, you got You're it. You're my dog. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you for listening to The Inside Game. Please remember to like, subscribe, and comment to support the podcast.